Hey guys, I want to start my podcast by telling you about a great way to start your day, Four Sigmatic Coffee. Four Sigmatic mixes 100% Arabica beans with functional chaga mushrooms to brew a delicious cup of coffee that provides all the benefits of a caffeine boost without making you feel jittery or crashing from a previous sugar high. Enhance your focus, mood, and immune system all in one go. By the way, the chaga adds incredible nutrition, but not any mushroom flavor. And Four Sigmatic sells more than just coffee. Also protein, cacao, you know, chocolate, elixirs, super powders, and blends, giving you a myriad of ways to add a bit of health to your routine. My personal favorite is the protein powder cacao flavor. I mix it with frozen strawberries and almond milk to make a chocolate smoothie breakfast that fills me up without weighing me down. And I'm dead serious. I tried several brands of both whey and plant-based protein powders and Four Sigmatic tastes the best by far. Try it. If you don't like it, no worries. Four Sigmatic will get your money back. And Four Sigmatic makes it easy to keep the goods in stock with a subscription service that over 100,000 people use today. Sign up for one at go.foursigmatic.com slash fwcars and get an additional 10% off your first order. That's a total of 30% off your first order and 20% off every recurring order if you head to go.foursigmatic.com slash fwcars. That's g-o.f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot c-o-m slash f-w-c-a-r-s. And yes, I will have a link in the description. Doing so supports the podcast and supports good health. Kind of nice that it tastes good too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 343 of the Fun with Cars Motorsports Podcast, or episode 5 of 2023. I'm Robin Warner, and today I'm joined by the man who puts the gin in gin and tonic, Chris Faroche. Hey, Chris. Robin, I'm back for the first time in 23. It's been a while. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a minute. It has been a minute or two. And uh, I'm very happy that you're back, and I'm very happy that you're back for us to talk about Formula One topics. As you may or may not know, uh, it's been very interesting year in sports cars and endurance racing this year, and I've wanted to dig into that a bit, and I'm going to talk about endurance racing some more. Of course, this is a year where uh, WEC and IMSA are uh, finding ways to race each other, you know, and they have comparable top class cars, GTP for IMSA, Hypercar for uh, WEC. And it's going to be really interesting to see how that marriage actually works. You know, it does kind of feel like a shotgun Vegas wedding in a way. So <laughs> I'm, I'm hopeful, but nervously so. There's lots of great motorsport going on all over the world, but um, but for me at this time, of course, it's it's uh, the excitement around a new Formula One season and uh, all the hullabaloo that goes with it. And my oh my, did Formula One not disappoint in the hullabaloo? Because <laughs> we've had this you know explosion, I want to say almost, of people in the United States discovering Formula One. Obviously, it's not the sole reason, but a 
big, big players, the Netflix, the Netflix series Drive to Survive. And all of a sudden, we've gone from one Grand Prix to three for 2023. One of them is going to be the penultimate round of the championship. And early this year, we get two announcements from the two biggest North American automotive manufacturers with intentions to become a part of the sport. And that's what I want to focus on today is the first one of those two, that's General Motors, announcing their intentions to compete in Formula One with Andretti for 2026. Andretti Cadillac. Wow. Yeah, that came as quite a shock, I think, to, to a lot of people. You know, Andretti are obviously keen to get into Formula One. They want to start their own team. Um, and they uh, they didn't really get a rapturous response from the uh, the F1 paddock. Um, and they were yeah, basically told to, yeah, told to go away and, and find uh, a rich partner that the, you know would be interested in joining them. And, and they, they pulled in one of the biggest. So, you know, the general... Um, which doesn't have much of a history in Formula One, it has to be said, um, but is quite a coup, I think, of, of uh, getting them interested in joining them or to form a, a brand new team and uh, to come into Formula One in twenty well, twenty twenty six or or sooner potentially. Yes, that's exactly right. And um, here is a quote from Mark Royce, who is the president of General Motors, who obviously owns Cadillac. General Motors is honored to team with Andretti Global, and by the way, that's what it's called. It's the umbrella company that owns all the different Andretti teams. On this historic moment in racing, we have a long, rich history in motorsports and engineering innovation, and we are thrilled with this prospect of pairing with Andretti Global to form an American F1 team that will spur even more global interest in the series and the sport. Cadillac and F1 both have growing global appeal. Our brand has a motorsports pedigree that's more than a century in the making, and we would be proud to have the opportunity to bring our distinct American innovation and design to Formula One. Another thing that has been said, now I'm not, this is not a quote anymore. Another thing they said is they would look to have at least one American driver in their car. They also said they would be headquartered in the United States, but they would have an office in the UK just to, you know, to keep up with the Joneses, as it were, I suppose. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, on the surface, it seems really exciting. I mean, Andretti obviously has uh, a fabulous and illustrious history in the racing world, Uh, obviously with Mario being a former F1 world champion and Michael having dabbled in Formula 1 for a little while, but certainly has a lot of pedigree. I mean, almost a season, should we say it that way? Most of a season? Half a season, maybe, but uh, yeah back in 93 and then obviously they both have a fabulous racing pedigree over over here um and andretti runs cars in obviously indycar formula e extreme e uh they've been very successful in all those series um and and they also recently bought into they are now a part of wayne taylor racing it is now wayne taylor racing andretti autosport so they're they're imsa racing as well and that is that is with um, that's an Acura powered car, so you know, funny little world how these things work. I mean, Andretti really is trying to get at Penske levels or larger of just racing uh, globally. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and 
you know, they are investing heavily in this uh, new new centre in the United States uh, where they'll be able to presumably design and engineer their own chassis because, um, you know, up until now they've basically raced other people's cars. Um, so obviously a bit of a new uh, adventure for them. Uh, but that's obviously essential if you're serious about entering Formula One. You have to be a, a constructor. And so uh, they're already investing in, in that type of capability, which is which is very promising. Um, and then, you know, with GM, um, which is still one of the largest uh, car companies in the world. And Absolutely. Uh, very profitable at the moment. Um, and who have, uh, you know, decided to, to very much focus on electrification of their vehicles uh, going forward. Um, you know, it's great to see Formula One attracting um, a new illustrious uh, manufacturer like GM into the sport, that they that they want to they want to join the party, um, which is which is great. I mean, Formula One's really going through um, a bit of a, a boom time, really, globally and and particularly in the United States. So, uh, yeah, all very positive from that perspective. I think um, you know I have a few concerns. We could we could continue the the fun positive side for a little bit longer, <laughs> Robert, if you want, or we can talk about the. These slight concerns that might be out well, there. and I do want to. So, at General Motors is their headquarters is roughly speaking fifty miles from my house, and and I say roughly, but not very roughly. It's pretty close to that, and so and I happen to know uh, a few people at General Motors and at Cadillac specifically. So I reached out to them and I said I will talk to absolutely anyone that knows anything about this that has anything to say about it and their response was nope (laughs) no one has anything to say about anything every single last word we have to say about this at the moment is in our press release the press release is where i read those quotes to you just a moment ago so i did reach out to cadillac cadillac did respond and said no comment (laughs) So, I, 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 they, they, this is very much a skunk's work, a skunk works kind of operation. They're keeping this very close to the chest, and I think that that gets to a little bit of potentially what your concerns might be. Yeah, I think. Um, well, let's start with Andretti for a second. Uh, it sounds like they haven't potentially gone about their entry into Formula One the right way. It seems like they've ruffled a few feathers. Um, and uh, there's, there's certainly a lot of concern uh, about adding an 11th team, whether that's Andretti or, or another team. Um, this whole dilution fund of $200 million is now considered to be insufficient given the, the higher value of most, uh, most of the F1 teams these days um, and that you know, splitting the money uh, uh, further for an 11th team uh, isn't going to be offset by by uh, a donation of 20 million per team. So there's concerns about that. There's concerns about sort of the Andretti approach and uh, will it be you know a genuine competitor and 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 uh, be able to achieve the right sort of performance levels or will it be in the same vein as some of the the more recent uh, Formula One new teams like uh, you know Virgin Lotus Manor Lotus the, the the second or third coming not the Colin Chapman edition HRT yes, you know, the right, team right. The, you know US Formula One another example all these teams that sort of tried to get into the sport 10 15 years ago uh, they're all gone and there were none of them were successful and you know 
having no history of, of making your own chassis and intending to set up in a different country it's not doesn't bode well <laughs> right there seems a little concerning um you know M- michael's f1 career kind of floundered on the fact that he didn't commit fully he didn't move to europe he didn't spend enough time uh where you know the, the f1 teams were based to really get settled and uh, you'd hate to see him repeat that mistake i'm sure he, he's a smart guy and learns his lessons but already on the face of it he's sort of making a lot of mistakes which is which is a shame because i certainly would love to see andretti in formula one but i want to see andretti be competitive and be successful uh not just making up the numbers and running around the back and then disappearing after five or five or so lackluster seasons <laughs> well i i i i 100 hear those concerns uh, genuinely i but i have to say that putting in the effort to partner with someone like cadillac and for GM to be convinced because GM, very large company and definitely a company that does not have a reputation that is strong enough to go through a bunch of beatings. So if Cadillac is willing to stake the reputation on something this big, that must mean that there's, in my opinion, real in-depth planning going into this and that it will be a well-funded, well-planned circumstance. And I think critically, Michael Andretti will not be the team principal, but he will be the CEO of this bigger company and he will hire very able people that will be 100% committed and those people will be properly funded because of the work Michael Andretti is doing. That is how I look at it with more hopeful eyes. And I look at this and I think to myself, there's no way they're going to be worse off than Haas given this circumstance. Now I say that and I've completely jinxed them. But (laughs) pre-me jinxing them, there is no way. (laughs) See, I I think I'd feel the same way as you if I was more convinced about GM. So my concerns about GM are it has... Very little international motorsport pedigree, with the exception of sports cars. Now, it, I, I, I will admit that they are hugely successful in the United States in motor racing. And they have you know, got a long history of being very competitive in multiple series here. But internationally, not so much. And you know, it concerns me they haven't signed up for the 2026 engine rules which means that they won't be ever entering as a full engine manufacturer. And it's worse that they'll actually be rebadging a Renault. Um, So, you know, the Cadillac branding will go on (laughs) Renault engines, which is the weakest of the engines currently in F1. A little bit like Infinity was branding the Renault engines in the Red Bull days. Of course, Infinity is part of Nissan, which is in an alliance with Renault. So it's a slightly more straightforward deal. But, But look, I mean... You know, so then the question becomes is how serious really is GM about it? Is it just an opportunity to uh, extend the, the branding of Cadillac, in which case, you know, that's logical to go into Formula One, but then why wouldn't you tie up with an, an established team rather than a startup? And, um, you know, maybe maybe this this will lead to bigger things for GM and maybe, you know, they, they're hugeness and their, all their technical capabilities that they talked about when they when they announced the deal um, could be a massive asset um, 
But right now, it looks a little bit like a toe-in-the-water kind of effort with not really mm. any commitment because, because Andretti doesn't have an entry, right? So they're not really risking much at this stage. That part is very true. And it, it, I'm, I'm really torn with what I hear from the different uh, current teams because in that 2010, leading up to the 2010 era... There was a lot of excitement to finally get out of this rut of barely having enough cars, which the 10 teams provided. You know, in the 80s and 90s, there were what? Sometimes over 30 cars entering Mm -hmm. on the Friday, correct? And then they whittled down a bit, but it was well over 20 racing on a Sunday. And it, it, I don't know how it became so that people think that 20 is now the new maximum that it should be. That seems silly to me. I, I completely understand how big business has become with each individual team and having to have a fine-tooth comb with the dollars and the cents of everything. Uh, I, I get that entirely, but it seems like with the new budget caps and with the just massive amounts of marketing success that Formula One's having globally, that the money shouldn't be an issue. That seems like... Beyond the red tape of things, it seems when it comes to nuts and bolts, this would be very easy to sort out the money. Well, I think the question isn't, you know, how much money. Well, the question isn't, uh, do we want expansion? I think the answer is yes. I think the question is how much you have to pay to, to get into the... Into the into the game, and 200 million is now considered to not be enough. I mean, it's it's the same model that's being built by by Liberty that that exists in many many of the other U.S. sports, right? With NFL or even MLS or NBA, whereby you know you've got a fixed number of teams, and then there's an expansion fee that's paid, and it's usually pretty massive. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, 200 million is is relatively small fry by certainly NFL standards. So. I think that's the point that the existing F1 teams are saying is that, uh, um, sure, come on in, but first of all, there should be a proper process um, about new teams, and maybe there are other teams that want to join, not just Andretti. So what's the process to, to you know vet these teams and make sure they're serious and get the right ones to come in? And no, I'm certainly not questioning that Andretti and Cadillac, it, it shouldn't, be, shouldn't be one of those teams. Um, but um, but then you know how much have you got to pay to get in, and and what's the right amount to compensate the teams for the for the reduced amount of revenue that they're going to get from from what Liberty distribute from all of the the revenue generated by TV money and and the races themselves. So that's it, it all comes down to to that really at the end of the day how to split the pie uh, amongst more people right make everyone happy. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's a dollar amount that would work, and and you're right. I mean they used to have. I think 26 teams, 28, uh, sorry, 26 cars, 28 cars was was fairly routine at one point. Um, but I don't think we want to go back to the dark days of pre-qualifying, do we, where teams would no. have to rock up, <laughs> run a not. couple of laps, half of them would then pack up and go home and try again, you know, fortnight later. I mean, that, that's a disaster. I think you want to, the teams that are entering um, should have a guaranteed uh Sunday start, right? And um, so if we have 11, 12, 13 teams, then we should have 26 starters for a Sunday Grand Prix. Uh, and they should be there for the entirety of the weekend. But, Completely um, agree. And that's what we had in 2010. Um, well, I guess we had 12. But, you know, it, it, I, it seems entirely possible that we would have exactly that. 
you know, and I think it would be exciting to have um, more U.S. involvement. But at the exact same time, I think your points are entirely valid. And it's going to be very easy, very interesting to see how this develops um, over the coming years because at this point, I think the guess, it's fair to guess that it will be 2026 earlier potentially. But uh, I, I just – knowing how knowing how slow some of these things move and ironically such a fast sport, um, I, I'd have a hard time believing it would be any time before 26. So um, – and. Yeah. Go ahead, please. I was just going to say, I just really hope that GM's doing their homework and they're getting good advice because, um, you know, the, the, the sport is littered with large manufacturers who thought they could come in um, and dominate and who, you know, failed. Um, Toyota spent probably billions trying to be successful in Formula One and failed. Oh, um, just Porsche, take away the he, probably there. They they, they <laughs> definitely spent billions. <laughs> There's um, no doubt. You know, even even the likes of Porsche, you know, they came they came into the sport. Um, they've had their periods of success as a, uh, when it was tagged Porsche with McLaren in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, but they came back in the 90s and, and were humbled terribly. I mean, their engine was completely uncompetitive. Um, so, you know, it's a funny sport and um, it's not easy. And, and you know, there's, there's a certain approach uh, that can be successful, but you've got you to get, you know, good sound advice from people who, uh, who knows what it takes and what you have to do to be successful and, and the right sort of approach. And, and, you know, hopefully GM and Andretti will figure that out. Um, the other thing that worries me a little bit about them is their biggest advocate seemed to be Mohammed Ben Salayem, but he appears to have been shoved off the stage um, and yes. has been told not to talk about Formula One matters anymore. Yes. Um, and, and Stefano Domenicali seems a lot more um, circumspect, shall we put it that way. He, he seems to be very much... Uh, towing the party line of the 10 existing teams so uh you know he's not he's not saying no he's but i, I think he, he wants to do his due diligence and, and wants to find the right deal for all the parties as we were talking about so um so yeah i think there's a long road to go for andretti and gm but again i do think it's an exciting proposition if they if they structure it properly uh go in with the right intent there's going to be a long project and, and do it right um and uh and this office of the UK, I think, might have to grow in its uh, in its in its size for them to be successful. I mean, if it's not the UK, it should be somewhere in Europe. You're not going to be competitive in Formula One without having a strong European base and tapping into the existing knowledge base that that exists there. I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I think that's 100% fair. And that is all we have time to talk about today. But it is only one of the two major automobile manufacturers from the United States that we have to talk about. So we will talk about that uh, in the next podcast. In the meantime, please, please, please do take a moment to check out my YouTube channel. I've just done so many videos in the last month. I don't even want to name them. I, you know, there's just one after the other after the other. It's been a bit of a nutty thing. And please do very seriously check out Four Sigmatic. It is um, a product line I definitely use myself and really do enjoy. But for now, 
I want to thank you for listening. Please take a moment to review us on iTunes or on whatever platform you get our podcast. Please leave comments on the episode of your choice by going to funwithcars.com. As always, I can be reached at feedback at funwithcars.com and tweet us at fun underscore with underscore cars. Oh, Chris, I bet you missed hearing those words. You're back. (laughs) I'm back, and so is Formula One. (laughs) I'm Robin Warner. Goodbye.